She just wants to be beautiful. She goes unnoticed. She knows no limits. She craves attention. She praises an image. She prays to be sculpted by the sculptor. Hello, Feel Podcast audience. Welcome back or welcome for the first time if you're new. And if you've been here for a while, you may be asking yourself, why does Melissa's voice sound different on this episode? I was going to make a corny joke about how up until now I've been speaking in my falsetto and you're now listening to the alto Melissa. But in reality and in truth, my name is Valencia, and I'm one of the editors of The Field Podcast. And our usual host, Melissa Crook, gave me the mic today to talk about a very important topic that I'm very passionate about. And to give context to today's conversation, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Now, the topic of mental health is very, very important to myself and the wonderful guests that I'll introduce to you in a little bit. But for this particular episode, I wanted to focus on mental health in Black communities. So introducing our two fantastic guests that I have with me today, I have Brianna Campbell and Hakeem Rahim. Now, I would like to introduce them to you first with a little bit about them and then by their character traits as we do so on this podcast. So my first guest, Brianna Campbell is a clinician at the New Hope Mental Health Counseling Services and the founder of Counselor in Progress, which is a great platform for creating community and engaging conversations involving mental health counselors in progress, right? So I met Brianna when I was at Adelphi studying for my bachelor's degree. And truly, Brianna Campbell is one of those people who is inspiring engaging. I am an avid follower of her, like truthfully, she's fantastic. She's absolutely amazing. And likewise, on a similar plane, Hakeem Rahim is our second guest. And Hakeem is a mental health advocate, speaker, and awareness expert. He's also an author and the founder of I Am Acceptance, which is a nonprofit mental health and wellness organization. And I first met Hakeem uh, similarly when I was studying at Adelphi. And I attended a psychology club meeting on a whim where there was this guest speaker talking about his mental health journey and the foundation of I Am Acceptance. Later on, I became an ambassador of the organization and the rest was history, right? So these two fantastic, incredible human beings, I had the privilege of meeting in college and staying connected to up to this point. And before I get into their character traits, I want to share that if you'd like to learn more about each of our sensational guests, please check out the show notes and the sources listed under this episode on our website, embracinglayers.com. With all that being said, Brianna and Hakeem, thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for having us. I'm so excited. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And as I mentioned earlier here on the Feel Podcast, we like to introduce our guests by their character traits. These character traits are traits that they have provided for us that accurately reflect where they are in their journey right now and how they see themselves at this time. And we believe that character traits are as important as what a person does, right? So the character traits that I have here for Brianna Campbell are person-centered, 
empathetic, and romanticist. That's me. We love to see it. (laughs) And then for Hakeem Rahim, we have passionate, compassionate, and loving, which is so wonderful. And I love all of these character traits because I feel like in different capacities that I've gotten to know you both, they just perfectly, they're, they're perfectly worded and they really speak to how you both see yourself. So that's, that's wonderful. And thank you for providing that. Welcome. And so I'd like to start today's conversation by first defining mental health and creating some clarity around what we're talking about here. Because I feel like, you know, nowadays more people are talking about mental health, which is absolutely amazing and fantastic, but it's important for us to get an understanding of what that means for each person um, that this impacts, which is all of us, right? So when it comes to mental health for myself, I like to define mental health as the state of where you are, um, the point you could say, in a spectrum that involves uh, the two extremes, of course, one of them being severe mental illness, another being superb mental wellness, and your state of being is, is somewhere along that spectrum. And if you can answer a few questions about you know, how content you feel, how connected you feel to your reality, all of these things, you can kind of gauge where you are mentally speaking. So that's how I've been able to define it as, you know, a point or, or a state of being that is on a spectrum when it comes to mental health. And I find that looking at it this way, as opposed to seeing it as, you know, something that is more focused on, uh, only the self-care mental wellness aspects or something that's focused specifically and only on the mental illness aspect, you know, doing so doesn't really give a full picture to the nuances that are really there. But I would absolutely love to hear about how you both define mental health. And Hakeem, I think I want to start with you to ask you, how would you define mental health? Got it. Yeah. So uh, well, as you mentioned, I, I do have my uh, own personal journey around mental health, and I'll, I'll talk about that in, in a little bit. Uh, but for me, one of the things I, I like to have a perception, I really have a perceptual shift um, around how I viewed my mental health and mental illness. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder back in college. And in this journey, I really realized that mental illness and mental health for me has been an access point for deeper healing. You know, so how I've seen mental health on my journey now, uh, slash mental illness, mental health challenges, is that is it, it's an access point and an opportunity for us to heal deeper. Um, and, and I think we'll, we'll talk, you know, I'll share a little bit more a little bit later, but, you know, I really believe that, um, you know, our mental well-being is one part of, our, of our, us as a holistic beings, you know, and I think what I've seen with, particularly through my mental health challenge, is that that challenge made me look deeper at, you know, my overall uh, experience and journey as a human being uh, versus being something uh, uh, separate and apart from my overall life and overall journey, but more so it being um, an access point for how do I even be a better individual? 
Um, so that that's kind of how I've, I've seen like really mental health in, in my journey. Um, you know, so thus far. Yes. Yes. I love that. I really love that. And I think just how you mentioned, we'll definitely get into what that's looked like and, and what's that evolved uh, to for you. And Brianna, I really want to ask you as well, how would you define mental health? Um, that's a great question. And I, I really love how you two explained it and how you captured it. Um, I think you all hit up on all the points that I'm going to be mentioning now, but it, it really is an intersection of different areas of wellness and performance as a human being, right? So it's, it's about the mind, it's about the body, the spirit, the emotions, even social factors. Um, all those things come together to define our mental health. Um, often I hear a lot of people using mental health in a way that I find to be quite interesting. Um, so sometimes I'll hear people say, oh, well, you know, he has mental health. So, you know, that's how he is. Or she has mental health. So, you know, she's not doing so well. And, and really mental health is something that we all have. And I think you both touched on that. It's not something that oh no, I went to the doctor, I came down with a bad case of mental health. We all have it um, every day and it's on a spectrum, like you said. So it's about being at our most optimal level of wellness. But of course, there are times as well when our mental health isn't optimal. And, and that's when we might want to think about, okay, what can I do differently? Who can I reach out to? Um, and how can I get myself back to my baseline? So that's how I absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought up that, um, you know, that, that very interesting example of like, um, you know, mental health is not something that you come down with, right? You can't say I just came down with mental health because we all have mental health and we all experience mental health in different ways and in different seasons in our life. Right. So even then it could look different. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because I find even in my own experience, when I talk about mental health, particularly with, you know, family members or or different members of my community, it's looked at the term mental health as something more on the negative side, right? And so I'm glad that you both painted a wider scope there. and. And I'm wondering for both of you, what was your introduction to the importance of mental health? Um, so for me, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll take it away. Um, my introduction to mental health was, you know, something I think for many of us who kind of are like a moth to a flame when it comes to mental health and advocacy. Um, it starts with something deeply personal most of the time, um, at least in my anecdotal experience. Um And that started at home. That started with a family member who was experiencing some mental health concerns. And there were a lot of questions springing up around that. Why is this happening? Um, What are they doing? (laughs) Who are they with? Why, like, what's influencing this? All these kinds of questions. And so um, in experiencing that, it opened my mind up to this area of life that no one really discussed mental health with me, but now I'm seeing that, oh, this is a thing. Um, And where there are questions, I like to believe there are answers. So that really inspired me to to find those answers um, and to be a champion for something that just seems so 
stigmatized and so in the shadows I was like I want to bring this into the light because this is a this is someone I love this is someone who is just a regular person to me and so if they could be going through this anybody can um and so that was my first introduction really to to mental health I love what you said everything that you said about your personal experience and bringing certain things to light which you know I I do believe that we'll definitely get into the whole stigmas that you mentioned uh, before as well. Um, but I also believe that oftentimes I feel like our challenges often become our message. I think there's a quote that says, your mess becomes mm-hmm. your message. And I found that to be the case in my instance and in many people's instances. And I find that sometimes that mess right? Includes the experiences of those that we love, really motivating us to champion for certain things like you had mentioned. And I find it interesting that I say that because now I want to circle back to Hakim's experience, given that Hakim, you know, you were really my first introduction to the importance of mental health, you know, being just very transparent about that. Because I think mental health wasn't really something that many people spoke about, especially as I was growing up in in the different environments that I was in, even though, you know, in high school, I had friends who went through their own mental health challenges and struggles. No one really spoke about it as in the context of this is my truth, my mental health, Mm -hmm. right, right. My truth and my, this is my my journey, my experience. Correct. Uh, This is what I'm experiencing. Yes. Correct. So, right. Yeah. As you mentioned, you know, you, you and I met back in 2016 and, and at that time I was, let me see, four years into my journey, um, about around doing the work that I do now. So, um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder back in 2000. I was a sophomore at Harvard university. And, um, I had a manic episode. I, I didn't know what it was. Um, I had all the signs, hallucinations. I saw Jesus. I, I heard cars talking, um, uh, uh, wasn't sleeping very much. All the classic signs of mania, lack of sleep, um, uh, seeing and hearing things that are not real. Um, that lasted for the course of about three weeks. And, and thankfully it happened while I was on Harvard's campus. And thankfully my, my parents, uh, my roommate actually at the time who, who, you know, is actually a neurosurgeon now talk about, you know, people living into their truths, right? He's a, he's a healer. He's a helper, uh, for healer for others. He called my family, you know, and, and my family were from, from the islands, but thankfully, you know, the, the stigma there did not prevent them from seeing that their son needed help. So like Melissa was saying, uh, uh, not Melissa, excuse me, Brianna was saying, you know, it wasn't that, that that other person, it was their son, their family member, and they didn't push it to the side, push it away, that um, they're bad, wrong, or broken for having a child who is experiencing challenges. They said, no, our son is our son, and he needs help. Um, so they, I went to the hospital, um, began taking meds. I stayed in the hospital for, for two weeks, came out, went back to school. I can't even imagine how I did that now, thinking about the weight gain I experienced like so many people do. Um, the medication, the cognitive slowing, literally writing, um, not understanding or comprehending what I was reading. Uh, but I did make it through my first semester back, took two years off from college because of some complications needing to rest. 
and and take care of my overall well-being, but didn't end up end up going back to school and graduating. Um, and then went on to a little bit about my professional journey, went on to study counseling at, at Columbia, because again, I think part of me really wanted to understand what did I go through and how could I help others? So I pursued a path of counseling, worked as a counselor for a little bit and worked in higher education as academic advisor. Um, I've always loved tutoring and, and mentoring. Of course, you know, Valencia, that's kind of how we met in a mentorship role. Um, and then in 2012, I decided to start speaking openly about my journey. I felt inauthentic. I was hiding. I, I felt like I was hiding. And speaking openly about what you're going through is not for everybody. But for me, there was a truth that I needed to share, which was, this is what I went through. Um, and even through this, um, I don't want to hide. Um, uh, but, you know, again, for me, my introduction to the importance of mental health and mental well-being was through my own personal journey, which still continues. You know, and actually, uh, I shared this now openly. I was actually hospitalized last year in a psychiatric hospital for the first time in 20 years. And I talk about that because I was in there for three days. Um, and when I came out, I had the tools, I had the resources, I had the sense of acceptance that I needed help. And my family was around me to provide me that support and help such that, you know, two weeks later, I was already ready, you know, sort of back in a grounded place where I could operate and be functional. And for me, you know, the calling to talk about mental health is, is to say that, listen, you know, we as communities of color, we as black people, um, we're hurting and we can heal. And mental health is just an access, as I said before, access point for our overall healing and well-being. But, um, but we have to address it. We have to understand that it's real. And we have to understand, like, like uh, Brianna was saying, there's shame and there's stigma within our families. But if we know that there's nothing bad, wrong or broken with us, it is something that needs healing um, as a collective. And you we know, can get there it. There is so you know, much um, in that. Uh, let's not that be I ashamed love. of that. And particularly about, uh, well, before I address anything, thank you for your vulnerability about that. Because I found that in your story, what's really beautiful is the fact that you had the tools, like you said, the yeah. resources, the community that, you know, that more recent time that you were hospitalized as well. And when you said that, I just, yeah. I just think to myself, how wonderful would it be if all of us, no matter where we are on our mental health journey, if we had understood and felt empowered in using the tools, the resources that we have, mm. the community around us, you know, how different would our experiences be if we did that? So, so I really appreciate you mm -hmm. sharing that because, you know, that would make for a new experience individually, of course, but also just within our greater community, collectively speaking. And I know that you and Brianna both spoke to a lot surrounding stigma yes. and fear, which is actually my next yes. question that I want to ask you is what would you say are the most pointed fears or stigmas around mental health and mental illness within black communities? Uh, this could be, you know, in families, it could be in your own uh, personal experience, um, even if you're not, you know, talking about on a large scale, but even in your personal experiences and observations, you know, uh, Hakeem, I know you said that your parents yeah. were amazing and awesome, 
um, around the, the first bout of mental health challenges that came your way and which is so beautiful. Right. And that mm-hmm. they were able to really just be there and support you. And they just thought of you more so than any stigmas or, or fears when it came to mental health. But, you know, based on both of your observations, what would you say are the most prevalent fears and stigmas today? Um, that's a really great question. I find that when I meet with um, clients at the practice that I work at, vulnerability is something that's really hard for most clients to um, give a chance. Like they're afraid to let themselves be vulnerable, which, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think in the Black community, um, often we are taught that we, we can't afford to be vulnerable. We can't afford to let that guard down, to let too much information uh, out there about yourselves or about your loved ones because mm-hmm. that can be used to harm you in some kind of way, right? So especially when dealing with a medical professional, there is a long history of, of distrust in the Black community and in communities of color when it comes to medical professionals. We you look at the test CD syphilis experiments as one that, you know, is seared into my mind. Um, and so that fear of being vulnerable makes sense. What, what some clinicians might see as resistance, you know, really, I, I try to remind myself, well, no, it's not them being defiant of you. Um, it, it's them protecting themselves. So I think that vulnerability can be a barrier sometimes to the counseling uh, process, but um, it, it really is on the counselor, I believe, to just take that time to work with that, um, to understand that that's going to be the elephant in the room for a little while. And it's our role to um, to just point out, OK, this elephant's here. And I'm, I'm not saying the elephant has to go just yet. The elephant can be here for as long as he needs to. But, but let's work on what we can do with that. How can I make you comfortable? Right. How can I make you feel like this is your space? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and working with that fear in that way, because fear is a part of life. Um, we all have some kind of fear within us, and we're going to bring that into the counseling space. Um, so just being aware of that as a counselor and, and working with those with those things. Yeah, yeah. That vulnerability piece is big. Thank you for mentioning that. And I know we'll probably get more into that as we go. Uh, Hakeem, I'm curious what your answer to this would yeah. be. Yeah, so I, I, I agree that vulnerability piece um, in in my talks that I do, um, I, I say you know we have to see mental health differently, and that C stands for um, S as is in share. So we have to share, and in sharing, this is what I do personally. I share my journey to create a sense of vulnerability. Like, listen, it's not just you. It's not just a family member. You know, uh, I think I think it might have been Brene Brown that says, you know, secrecy and, and silence that that continues to promote shame. So if we can can share that that and break that silence, that can that can begin to break and introduce that vulnerability, which is an access point to that healing, um, and then education. So once we share, we have to educate ourselves. You know, there, there's a lack of uh, information just in the broader public, but particularly, uh, as we mentioned, in the black community, we have to know what is depression, what is anxiety? You know, you, you can't just pray it away. You can't, you know, uh, expect to smoke it away or drink it away. No, you, you need we need professional help. And here's what it looks like. There are categories of symptoms that if you experience uh, lack of sleep, 
not eating so much, you know, uh, emotional, well, whatever it is, we need to be educated on. And, and for me personally, because I still experience um, highs and lows. And sometimes I have to do a check on myself. Oh, yeah, I, I haven't really been, you know, my sleep has been off for a few days. Oh, yeah, you know, um, I have been feeling like really sad about to cry a f- several times throughout the day. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's some signs of, of depression or sadness. Let me take stock in what am I going through. But if I didn't have that information and education about what it, are the signs of depression, I couldn't even do a self-check on myself. And I could say, oh, I'm a man. I'm not supposed to be crying. I'm a black man. I'm supposed to be strong. I'm the warrior. You know what I'm saying? I'm, but if I didn't have that information to say, no, this is you experiencing something that is a, a, a condition, being a human being, you're going to experience a range of conditions. This happens to be one. Here's what it looks like. And now because I have that, that, that language around it and understanding, I can empower myself as you talk about because I'm educated. And then the other piece around seeing myself differently is equipping ourselves. So it's scary to be vulnerable. It's scary to then know what it is, but what the heck are you going to do about it if you do know something is wrong? So that's where what um, Brianna is doing in the counseling space. And I go to counseling as well. That's where the counseling comes in, the wellness tools come in. Because once you open up that that Pandora's box, what are you going to do with this generational trauma that we're carrying and we've received from, from, from our parents and our parents' parents, you know? What do we do with it? Because it is heavy to hold. If it wasn't scary, if it wasn't, um, if it was easy, we, we would all be open to healing. So if we know that vulnerability is a key point for healing, if we know that we have to have the information and the right information in a way that we as, as, as Black people can receive it, and then if we can feel empowered by the, the tools, then I think we can, we can see, it, it, see our experience of, of, of mental wellness and mental well-being differently. Absolutely. 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 And I love everything you mentioned within that because really I found, you know, in my own experience again, that when we don't know something or when we're not really knowledgeable about what's going on, that's when there's the most fear, right? That's when there's the most resistance. That's when there's the most wanting to protect ourselves because we don't know what's going on or what this is or Mm -hmm. how this will be perceived. And so I really love what you said about empowering ourselves with, you know, knowledge, tools, and, and vulnerability, which is an interesting thing to say. But I do think that to your point and to Brene Brown's point, uh, who might I add, Melissa Crook, our original host, I should say, she loves Brene Brown. (laughs) I know Brene really does talk a lot about vulnerability and shame and all of these topics that we're mentioning. And it is really important to see, you know, understanding yourself, what you're going through and sharing your experience authentically um, to see that as a powerful and healing thing to do, as opposed to something compromising is. Yes. I mean, it's a revolutionary thought, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And on this topic, because that's something that I wish more people knew and understood, right? 
Uh, but I wanted to ask both of you related to that is what do you wish the Black community in particular truly understood about mental health? Mm, wow. Um, when I think about that, I, I think of this book that I started and did not finish. It's, it's a habit mm. of mine um, <laughs> called The Smell of Life. You got, you got what you I needed. I got what I book. needed you in like the needed. first five <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> We, we, we flipped it and made it an empowering thing. <laughs> I mean, the next five pages, it's going to be mind-blowing when I do get to it. Um, <laughs> there's this book called The School of Life. I think they also have a, a YouTube channel as well where they do short little videos about social concepts and, and, and different things. It's very cool. I would advise you know everyone to go check it out. And one of the things that they discuss in that book is that in this school of life, we get education on algebra or maybe on how to wash the dishes or keep the house tidy, but we don't really get a solid foundation when it comes to emotional education. And I think that's one thing that I really, um, that's my wish, my hope for the Black community and, and people of color is to understand that we all need emotional education. Like that's a part of being a fully formed, functional, um, adapted human being. Um, and when we don't have that, there are a lot of issues that we will run up against that we're not going to know how to surmount because we don't have that emotional foundation. So when it comes to mental health, I would love for the Black community to develop uh, an awareness of emotional well-being, emotional knowledge as a pillar and a foundation for strong mental health. Mm. And Brian, can I, can I ask, I'm curious, what, what do you mean by like emotional, that emotional, well, the, the, the foundation, like what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, great question. So when I think about that foundation, I, I think about distress tolerance, right? Being able to experience something difficult or upsetting and, and being able to work your way through that and soothe your way through that. I think that's important. Sometimes I think we're really tough love and that doesn't mm. always foster the best uh, distress tolerance. Um, also just being able to name your emotions. I notice that when a lot of clients come into sessions for the first time, I'll ask them, how do you feel? And they'll say, I think two different, you know, parts of the, the, the experience. Um, so, you know, do you feel sad? Do you ha feel happy? Well, I think that I'm like, okay, we're not there yet. We'll work on it. Um, but that's a part of uh, emotional foundation as well. Just being able to have that uh, ability to look within yourself and know, oh, this signifies that I'm sad. This signifies mm -hmm. that I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of thing, just the, the basics um, about being able to look within yourself, not being afraid to look within yourself and to put a name to the emotion um, and also being able to soothe yourself when you find that you're going through something that is distressing. You know, Brianna, it's funny that you mentioned the I think because I do that all the time. L like literally that is something I am constantly mm. having to retrain myself on and to really uncondition <laughs> myself with like instead of you know constantly just going up into my head and saying 
well, I think, and having a Mm -hmm. more, I would say, rationalized experience of my feelings. Um, I'm working on dropping more into my emotions, dropping more into my Mm -hmm. body. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like, what am I physically feeling right now? That's accompanied with these emotions, Mm -hmm. for example. I think that's a, that kind of identification is really key. And I agree. I I definitely feel that should be part of the education that we receive. Yeah, it's, it's needed. And again, I do understand why that hasn't always been a key factor um, because I think a lot of black history has been about survival, right? And you can do without emotions when you're trying to survive. You just need to know if you're scared or not, (laughs) right? Do I need to be angry or not? Am I afraid or not? And the rest kind of, you know, can go by the wayside. But if we're looking at a timeline, a, a life, a legacy in which we can be happy and thriving and to enjoy, enjoy life, right? We have to think about what we are doing when we're not allowing ourselves to have this emotional education or, or to just do the best mm-hmm. that we can to, to show someone, okay, this is how I do it. Right. Because each and every piece from each generation, yeah. it, we're going to look so much, we're going to be so healthy in the future. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> you know, if we just keep building on this from generation to generation. I love that. I just, I love that idea of each generation just progressively enjoying more acceptance and peace and emotional intelligence yeah. yes. and all these different things, you know, so Thank you for mentioning that. And Mm -hmm. Hakeem, I want to rope you into this as well. I know you have a few thoughts on this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and it's helpful, you know, because I'm still learning because I I recently went back to counseling because, you know, part of my journey was like, okay, I'm talking about it. So I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went through some of that. Let me, (laughs) I'm good now. I took care of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went through that same space of, wanting to get over and and get by and look past, you know, my humanity, which is I'm still going to have to work through um, uh, uh, shame, early, you know, trauma, my overall well-being, whether or not I'm talking about my mental health all the time or not, I still have to tend to it. And I think for a while, uh, I think doing the work that I did became almost a defensive mechanism to not look at my own healing journey. And, and uh, Brianna, I love what you were saying is that it is a journey and it's, we are one, we are one uh, part, like one stop in this eternal journey and this journey of mm-hmm. our, you know, legacies of whether it's our children, our families or our broader, you know, in African diaspora, we are just one part of this continuum. And if we can look at it like, Hey, and as I'm kind of riffing, Hey, I, if I heal, I'm literally making it better for somebody else to come after me, you know? And I think like knowing, and I think that, you know, that's, that's the thing that comes to me is that it's not selfish for us to heal. It's not selfish for us to take this time to go to counseling and therapy and, and, and to take care of ourselves. Right. And, and I think that survival mode probably, and literally, I know there's a lot of material out there on it is built into our, you know, genetics now because we have been on the run for so long, um, you know, even thinking about energy centers, I know we're going to talk about that later, but energy centers, our first chakra, our root chakra related to the, uh, fear, but also stability. Um, 
that can be that is impacted by by the emotions that our family, our, our mothers feel or experience around them while we're in the womb. You know, so if there's a sense of anger, um, fear, uh, shame that is around us, which we're all swimming in because we're human beings and particularly we're black people in this society, you know, we're going to literally experience that, have that as our experience being born into this, you know, being born into this human experience. So when, when, when Brianna is saying, yeah, it's, it's because of we've been in survival mode for so long. Yes. Even on an energetic level, it is being programmed into how we are experiencing the world. Um, and that's something we have to uncondition. So what I would say is that number one, it's not selfish to us to heal and look towards this future self, um, that we begin working on now. And then number two is that, you know, we've been something I wrote down earlier is that we've been hurting for so long. We don't even realize that we're in pain. We don't even realize when we are in pain, you know what I'm saying? So it's like this level of hurt is just our norm that, you know, even me again, I, and I always talk about my journey in my experience because it's like, I'm still on it. It's a reminder to me, but it's also a space of vulnerability and an opportunity for other people to say, Hey, you know, he doesn't have it all together. He went to Harvard, went to Columbia, and he's still going through it. Um, if I could, if I could be an example, that's why I do it. But even as, as Brianna was talking about the, the emotional intelligence piece, the stress tolerance and and I believe there was one more you mentioned self soothing. You know, um, uh, I that's some of the things that I I didn't even have the language to to talk about. I didn't even know yeah. until recently that there there is a nuance in how you take care of your emotional well being, right? So if we can begin to say, number one, it's not selfish for us to heal. Number two, we have been in so much pain that. And we need we need to go on this healing journey. And if we educate ourselves and know that we're not crazy, we're not bad, we're not wrong, we're not broken, we are missing something. Something is missing um, uh, that has us feeling in this place and being in this place. And, and we have a right to to be whole. You know what I'm saying? So I think it becomes a, almost a mantra affirmation that I have a right to be well and I have a right to be whole. Wow. That, amen, <laughs> amen. That was Absolutely. so perfectly said. And I love what you said, especially yeah. about it not being selfish to heal. Because I feel like that is something that, you know, a lot of people experience, mm -hmm. even in different um, situations. Yeah. Uh, for example, even women who are mothers, right? And the different healing that goes on with them, mm. that idea that mm. it's not selfish mm. and that it's actually in service of both mm. yourself and the people that you yeah. love and your greater community, like that is such a revolutionary idea. And I'm very glad that you brought that up. Mm -hmm. I mean... In a grander way, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up healing as well, because that is something that I really want to dive into. Um, I feel like oftentimes with conversations about mental health and even particularly in conversations that talk about um, Black communities or people of color, I feel like a lot of what is spoken about is 
things like trauma, resilience, um, deeper practices as well, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like there's enough tangible, actionable, Mm -hmm. actual examples given as to what tools, practices that we have that are accessible to us on an individual and community level. So in that, I'm kind of wondering um, for you both, maybe personally or just in what you've seen in your greater community, what would you say are some healing, what would you say are some healing tools, practices, things that we have that are accessible to help us along our journey? Yeah. Um, accessibility is the word that is the word that is so important um, when it comes to mental health, um, making sure that we're at a round table, right? That we're not putting paywalls or gatekeeping the tools that people need to be well, especially in the Black community. Um, one tool that I use as someone who uh, loves social media for better or for worse, because I know what the studies say, um, <laughs> um, is I try to fold positivity um, and mantras into my social media use, right? So a couple of the pages that I follow that I, I want to shout out that I really love are number one, the Nat Ministry. Okay. It's it's all about healing through resting. And I think us as black people, we could use a big dose of that, right? We we have been just on our P's and Q's and just so focused on just surviving mm. all the time, right? That we could use rest and, and how can we use napping, resting, rejuvenating as a form of resistance, but also as a form of, of mental health and, and giving back to ourselves. Um, another one that I follow is We the Urban. They post a lot of really great quotes. I love mm. that. I'm, I'm big on affirmations. I will print them out, post them up, share them, text them. Um, that's how I know I'm getting old. I'm, I'm sharing little cute, infographics on Instagram with people who cannot ask me for them. You're getting wiser, Brianna. You have more knowledge than Getting wiser. And also just um, journaling. Journaling is one of those things that I find to be so accessible. And uh, I'll even take it one step further with the accessibility. Journaling doesn't just have to be writing pen to paper, right? Mm. Um, When it is pen to paper, you can write prose, you can write pages upon pages, or you can do bullet points, right? Or you can write a couple of feeling words down and just circle a few each day, right? Raising that emotional IQ. Um, Also, voice notes. You can journal through voice notes, just talking to your phone, recording, talking about how you feel, talking about um, a rainbow you saw today that just made you feel so seen and so smiled on, right? Anything Mm -hmm. like that. That's a way that you can give back to yourself and encourage uh, health and wellness in yourself without any kind of exorbitant price tag or without having to go to the Himalayas and climb a mountain and and Mm. do ayahuasca, right? It's something you can do in your room. And I want to emphasize that these tools come from you. Everything that works, works because you're a part of it. Um, Mm. So not necessarily feeling as though that you have to go out there to find that Mm. thing, but knowing you can use whatever works for you. Everything that works, works because you're a part of it. Mm -hmm. that really resonated with me I love that and 
Thank you for sharing that because, um, well, journaling, I have to say, that (laughs) is one of my favorites. I do all the forms of journaling, free writing, recording on my phone, recording videos, talking it out, you know, because I find that for myself, sometimes just Mm -hmm. getting my thoughts out really helps whether that be in a more written form or just externally processing, uh, you know, even with someone that's right in front of me, for example, a friend or family member, I mean to say, uh, just having that space to do so, having a safe container to do so is so nourishing. You know, I feel like in my own experience, that's exactly what journaling has been for me. So thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. And if I can add as well, um, sometimes it's just really helpful to put it on paper um, because I, I know I'm guilty of this. I, I love to worry. Like if I could get paid to worry, I would. We all be rich. Right. <laughs> and so sometimes I really will challenge myself and I'll say, all right, write all your worries down on paper. And I'll find that usually it fits on a post-it note. And that's helpful. I'm like, okay, this is not that bad. You know, I thought this would take up a whole entire legal pad. This took up maybe three lines on a post-it note. All right, let me kind of like find a way now then to self-soothe, to step a little bit more into reality than into the the emotions of it. Um, So journaling can provide that as well. Sometimes when we take it out of our mind and put it onto paper or put it into those audio waves, we can hear, see, feel that, oh, this isn't going to end my life. It might not even change it that much. I just have to find a way to work with the emotions and figure out figuring out why that's coming up for me right I now. I love that. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Because I feel like there is something to just seeing what it is that you're worried about in front of you. Mm-hmm. Right? Because in our minds, we can make it as big yeah. and grand as possible. But when you just see it on this little post-it, <laughs> it's like, wow, this isn't the monster that I was making it out to be. Exactly. It's it's like the story my dad always tells me about when he used to live in Jamaica and people would be so afraid to walk at night. They thought they would hear ghosts and stuff in the bushes. Meanwhile, it's just like a cat running out of the bushes. And that's kind of like our thoughts, right? Like yes. when they're in our mind, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this mm-hmm. is the little wow. boogeyman. And then sometimes you put it on paper yeah. and it's like, oh, it, it was just a squirrel. That's okay. I can deal with that. <laughs> that's really real. Yeah, Hakeem, um, I kind of want to go to your thoughts as to, well here. Yeah, this, I love um, that. I think circling back. one of the things that, yeah. that Brianna also said was, the, the, the you are part of the process without without you the process won't work you know and one, one of my uh, messages now is around personal choice mm, personal choice we don't we don't talk about that enough oh my goodness we don't talk about that enough so, so let me let you talk about it personal choice personal choice for me and as, as I mentioned the, the first time that I uh, was in the hospital. I wanted to, to, to go to a spoken word poetry show. I had to make sure, you know, I did everything to get better. And the second time, um, uh, I was, I talk about it very, very candidly because I know it's going to help somebody else. I was in the emergency room and I sat up and I said, this is not my life. There's more to my life 
than being here in this, you know, hexagonal room. There's more. And I made the choice at that moment to ensure that I was going to get better and stay well. You know, so the tool that I would say is that we all have is personal choice, whether we know it or not, that is a human right. That That is a, a, a you know, if we want to go there, metaphysical right. Part of this universe is that we each and every single moment have a choice, period. That's what it is. And I can tell you firsthand that we do have that choice. Um, um, and you have a choice. And the first part in healing is deciding that you want to heal and making that decision over and over and over again. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's been rosy for the last, you know, uh, on my journey. It's, it's not because again, you know, we are human beings. I'm a human being and I have to remind myself of that because part of my journey is around perfection and letting it be okay that things are not perfect, you know? Um, so, so, I would say the first tool, and I think it loops in with what Brianna was saying, is that you are the, if you don't decide, it's not going to happen. So the first tool is to know that you have the power to make the decision to heal. And then once you, on a metaphysical level, once you set that intention, the things that you need will start drawing to you because you've already said, I'm ready to heal. And I don't know what it's going to look like. But I know where I am right now is not where I want to be tomorrow. And, and I would say that, that that is the very first, I believe, in my personal opinion, very first and most basic tool that we have is our, our free choice and our choice. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think that is a missing piece in this conversation typically, right, is addressing that personal free choice um, that individual inspired action, uh, to, to want, um, mm-hmm. to want and to go towards what is different. Right. I think that Brianna, you may have said something before about, um, like where there are questions, there are answers. And I find that, you know, within this context, when you are willing to ask the questions and seek for the answers, right? I find that just what Hakeem had said, um, the answers make themselves available. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, the different resources that you need make themselves available. But it is first about you planting the seed for that. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, I really love that so much. And I think that is such a key yes. thing to empower the individual and to empower their own, you know, sense of free choice, sense of agency, I want to say, uh, for their well-being. And I feel like that is, is key and something that we need to talk about more. And, and on the topic of what we need to talk about more, I feel like mm. when we have these conversations, and um, this is understandable, but we tend to talk about healing through what I would call the shadow or the fog, right? Um, Healing, of course, can be done through really diving deep and going into, you know, the crux of things that are challenging for us, which is absolutely amazing and definitely how we heal. No doubt about that. But I find what is not spoken about as much that I would argue is also a part of our lineage 
is healing by going through the light and healing by doing things that are nourishing for our souls, right? Um, even uh, in the context um, for myself, I love to sing, right? Singing is something that I have always loved to do. And I found that for me, when I'm singing, no matter what I'm singing about, I could be singing gibberish for all I know, uh, but it is very much healing for me. And it's something that is part of my joy, right? As much as it may even be expressing my pain too, right? Uh, depending on what I'm singing about. It's a part of my joy and a part of how I'm releasing and moving through something. So I found that um, just so, you know, just to put a pin in this thought, I feel like it's important for us to acknowledge that we can heal by going through the shadow, through the fog, and also by going through the light, right? That basically anything can be a part of our healing journey. Anything that's a part of our experience can be part of our healing. Absolutely. And I want to pivot a little bit because I want to expand this conversation in sort of a unique way. I wanted to ask you both, uh, for people who are considered allies or just people outside of our experience, right? Um, or, you know, even what we're going through on an individual level, people that just have a different experience than us. How can they really support us in a way that feels authentic, empowering, and significant? Which I know is sort of a, a thinky kind of question, but I feel like it's important to ask and important to address because I feel like within our experiences, there's always nuance, right? There's always maybe some things that you, that, you know, certain people maybe um, are not able to understand as fully as people who are going through the same things that you are, right? Uh, but how can those who are outside of your experience, whatever that may be, how can they really support you in a way that feels nourishing? Yeah, um, uh, I think w when you talk about layers, you know, I think we have to go to the layers, as, as the name of the, the podcast is, is that I think they're layers. Um, first, I think there's a there's a metaphysical level, you know, there's a societal level, cultural level for how allies, quote unquote allies can help. You know, I think first on a metaphysical level is that we are literally all interconnected human beings, beings on an eternal progression, celestial journey. Right. So we're literally souls having a human experience. And I think number one is acknowledging that I am no different from you, you know, on a spiritual level, um, that your healing is my healing. Right. And then if I heal as an individual, as an individual ally, then that is going to facilitate your healing. So number one is not saying that I am separate from you, but if I heal myself as, you know, uh, uh, ally, um, uh, 
I am then empowering you to heal as well. So that's the first thing is the individual and the spiritual healing being that we're all interconnected. I think on a, on a societal level and cultural slash cultural level is that acknowledging that there is privilege, there's levels of privilege. I have levels of privilege. I went to Harvard. I went to Columbia. My, my dad was an accountant. My mom was a, was a nurse. And because of that privilege, as Brianna was talking about access, I had access to tools and time and space to heal. And those are privileges that I had. Um, and we have to acknowledge that the dominant culture, there, there are specific things that have been done and created for folks to have privilege, whereas others do not. You know, so that has to be acknowledged that I have gotten these things because, <clears throat> because my ancestors, because this society has been designed for me to have these things um, uh, that must be acknowledged as a fact. So it does not become, uh, I'm giving you, you know, I'm giving you a handout. I'm helping you out. No, that this is, this is a, this is a necessity because I have received these things built upon, um, things that my ancestors did, which put me in a, a position that has given me more built upon that you are being let given less. So it's just a fact. Um, and I think them embracing that they have a responsibility because of the conditions that have been created, um, whether they did it or not, that they're benefiting from, um, which kind of goes back to we, if, we, if you don't heal, then 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 I can't heal. You know, if you're not well, clearly we see what's going on now as that we are interconnected on on our planet, on Mother Earth, that if I am not whole then the fears and the insecurities and the shames that I have, I'm going to play out in the world and they're going to impact everybody. So, it, you know, on a cultural societal level, we, it has to be acknowledged that we, you need to share, you need to give because you've been given this built upon um, um, uh, an imbalanced system created for this particular reason. And then number two, if you go even to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if somebody's insecure in housing, insecure in food, not feeling safe, feeling violence all around, you don't even have a space to move to that next level of to progressing your healing and well-being. So if you, you know, if, if you don't have a safe space because there's, there's not proper food, because it's not, you know, you're feeling traumatized by police or whatever it is, you don't even have the space and time and cognitive capacity and emotional safety to feel like you can heal. So there's a, there's a need for sharing of resources, reallocation, redistribution of fairly of resources. So that people of color, that we can have that time and space um, to heal, to even feel safe to go there. Yeah, I thought that was all, that, that's all so true. And it, it, I think it touches on a quality of, of empathy, right? Of, of holding empathy for people of color, for people who don't look like you, whatever that may look like, right? People who don't worship like you, people who don't dress like you or speak like you. Um, empathy versus sympathy. I don't think any of us really need sympathy. I don't need you to feel bad for me or to pity me in my journey, right? That is the opposite of empowering. Um, but I think we all need empathy. We all need to know that we're connected in this human ex experience together um, and, and that we're fellow, travel fellow travelers with each other. Right. Um, that we're all at a round table. So anybody who's looking to be an ally, 
And anyone who is looking to be supportive in whatever capacity they can, just continuing to grow your capacity for empathy um, with others. And, and again, shout out to Brene Brown. She has a really great <laughs> um, uh, analogy that she uses for that Um where um, you can like imagine that you're in a you're in a pit, right? Imagine that someone's in a pit, and and sympathy is you kind of just leaning over the edge of the pit and saying, "Hey, sucks to be you. Sorry you're down there." <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas empathy is is getting a ladder and climbing in that 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 pit with them and being like, "I've been here before. I know what that's like." Right? So the, the difference between how we show that to someone and and when you're showing empathy versus sympathy, that really is such a touching and cathartic moment that it will be felt it will be appreciated um, by the people around you because they they will know that you're not there to grandstand or to be above them um, but to just be in that pit with them and, and be like man I'm, I'm sorry I've been there I, I don't know what to say but I'm yes. here for you right, that goes a really really long way I love that and I agree with you that idea of empathy as opposed to sympathy or opposed to pity rather. Um, because I feel like empathy is definitely a more empowered form of connection that allows you to really listen to someone and to see, to see that person, um, to see what they're experiencing in a way that's you know, connected to you and your own experience as well. And Hakeem, to what you said too, if you're not healing or doing your own healing work, right, that is also contributing to the whole. But I'm glad that you both brought that up because I feel like that's very significant. And I bring up allies in general because I know that there's a lot of talk about, you know, allyship and and all these um, different terms, the more that we get into different social justice issues. But I think it all comes back down to that idea of being empathetic and that idea of seeing, you know, the, the person across from you as you, for lack of better words, right? Like seeing this person mm-hmm. as a mirror of you, as you know, an aspect of you in a way and having empathy for them in a very intentional and empowered way that allows for both of you to grow. So I appreciate you both for, for mentioning that. And, and I want to pivot a little bit now to more of your individual experience um, that also might uh, shed some light on um, just who you both are as people but also may give some tips for our audience. So the first thing that I would like to speak to you both about is the intersection between the physical, mental, and emotional health, right? And how those are all connected to one another. Um, I would love for you both to speak to your own experience here because in my own experience, I have found that mentally, like if I'm not in a good place mentally, it's like everything else is just immediately affected. Like physically I'm feeling things emotionally, a lot is going on. And conversely, when I'm feeling fantastic mentally, it's like my skin is clear. I'm walking on water. Like I'm great, right? I'm everything's fantastic. (laughs) And I've found that in the past, 
I've kind of seen these aspects of health and well-being as separate, you know, as though like, okay, well, I need to take care of my physical health. And then I also need to take care of my mental health, right? As opposed to those two things being interconnected to one another. So, I, you know, I want to talk to you both about your own experiences here and about how those things are connected for you and how they, they've shown up in connection, um, you know, along your own journeys. How they've shown up in connection, you know, along your own journeys. Yeah, that's that's a really um, that's a great thing to point out, because I think, like you said, even with myself, I I can, I can imagine that there definitely was a time where I thought that as well. Um, but it, it is true that physical, mental, emotional, they're all very connected. Um, I think it sometimes we trick ourselves into thinking they're not because it might give us a little bit more of a sense of robotic control over ourselves as human beings. Um, but exactly like you said, if, if we're experiencing pain, right, that can cause mental anguish, right? A lot of people who have chronic illness, that can be a huge component, how those two things interplay, right? So if I'm having a bad pain day, that can cause a lot of mental distress for me. I might I just might not feel like myself. I might not be able to socialize with my friends. Um, and even conversely, if I'm having a bad mental health day, I might not have the energy to get out of bed or to do my workout that I do. And a, a really great way to train our minds is to look at all those things together. Look how maybe just track those things over a week, over two weeks. Um, okay, how am I feeling physically this morning? How am I feeling mentally? How am I feeling emotionally? And, and just kind of see how those run together. Um, how does it present when the physical's good, the mental's not great, the emotional's not great? Like, what does that look like? I, I know for me on days where I'm mentally not at my best, my space starts to reflect that because it starts to look chaotic and there's a pair of sweatpants over here and a sock over here and a notebook and it just gets really cluttered and chaotic. And usually my physical space is a great barometer for me to understand how I'm feeling mentally, right? So, okay, this room is starting to get out of control. Where have I felt out of control in other areas of my life recently this week? And it usually correlates. Oh, right. That project that I have to do for work has really been stressing me out. So I've been losing time as it relates to cleaning things up. And that's why we're here. Um, so being able to speak your body's language so that you can see how these things interact, because they most certainly do. And I'm a big journaler, writer. So just tracking those things together is one of the ways that I'd recommend um, to become familiar with your body's language so that you can start decoding these things a little bit easier. Yes. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because part of my work, uh, part of what I do. So I am the founder of a women's wellness brand called Flow and Sync. And um, part of that involves me working with women and um, helping them improve the, the state of their cycles, their womb space, their reproductive health in general, right? Um, to help improve that, uh, to then help improve the quality of their life and well-being. Um, that's the short version, right? And two of the clients that I spoke with um, a few months back uh, were both Black women. And I remember a very important 
pillar for them was mental health and wellness. And one of the women that I spoke with, um, I gave her some resources, um, you know, tools just to, to take care, you know, of her mental well-being, but just everything in general. And she came back to me a few weeks later and said, you know, I just signed up for therapy. I have a counselor now. And within weeks, I feel so much better. Wow. Wow. And it's crazy to think that, and that's just an aspect, right, of what changed for her. But it's crazy to think that mental peace was affecting everything else, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Affecting uh, what she was experiencing physically, whether it be, you know, reproductive health issues in general or just issues sleeping. And to see how, when that is tended to in certain ways, the difference that makes. That is so true. It, it really is. And I'm glad that you point that out because I have a lot of clients as, as well who they have, they notice that they feel these mood shifts um, around their menstrual cycle. And I think a lot of, I, I don't know what it is, but I get the sense that a lot of these people, when they come in, it they brought it up before and it sounds weird to whatever medical professional they're talking to. And I don't get why, because there is a diagnosis in the DSM that correlates with that. So I don't, I don't know what's happening if we're not working at the same set of information, but um, it's not weird. It happens like that physical and mental aspect is is real and and a lot of it's controlled by hormones and and different chemicals in the body so it's so important that people understand that these connections are real connections so that there isn't that shame so that they don't the medical gaslighting (laughs) that's happening sometimes is just really crazy um and so to hear you say that, that, that just, you know, let that light bulb in my mind. Um, it's real, it's real, especially when it comes to reproductive and and menstrual, um, issues that can be such a big impactor of mental health, physical health, emotional health. Um, and I encourage anyone who might be going through anything like that to reach out to a mental health professional, especially if you can find one that is, um, very sex positive, feminist, any of those different kind of modalities of treatment so that you can get the space that you need to talk about these real things, these real connections that are happening for you. Yes. Thank you for saying that because I have definitely seen that intersection myself, you know, um, with the work that, that I had mentioned before. And I think that things like that should be able to be brought up when we talk about our overall health and well-being, especially with women, right? There is some sort of interplay and interconnection between our mental health, emotional health, and our reproductive health. So I'm, I'm very glad you brought that up. And Hakeem, I, I want to you know tag you in here for your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, th- I think the first thing for me is is noting that that there are those layers. You know, um, if we're not yeah, I wasn't always aware of the interconnection between them. I thought I was vegan for a very long time. You know, I just, I'm, I'm not vegan anymore. I was vegan for about 12 years. And I, I guess in my mind that if I changed my diet, you know, I would feel balanced and well, and, and that would take care of that. You know, if I would change one thing, then, then I, then everything else would, would be taken care of. When in fact, it's, it's all interconnected. And as we start off, we, we started off in the beginning we're all on a spectrum every single day of how we're doing, you know? And I think for, for me, 
again, working through, like, I have to give myself permission to have those, you know, it's not going to be a hundred percent every day <laughs> and that's just life. So I think number one for me in my journey has been in acknowledging the different layers and levels of needs to be t- tended to, but also needs to be addressed and to be in balance. Um, and then number two, around giving permission to say that something is out of balance and that it's okay. And that's just the nature of life that we're going to be out of, out of sync and out of balance sometimes. And that's okay. You know, so, um, the giving of permission and then also that, and I love what you said, Brianna, being mindful enough to know that everything is speaking to me. And if my environment is saying, you know, yeah, the, the, the sink full of dishes, that's not always full like that. What's going on? Oh, yeah, this, 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 that. Maybe I missed a, you know, a couple hours of sleep the night before, the day before. I was stressed out with the meeting. So noting that it is interconnected is such a um, big part of my journey um, and, and continuing to be part of my journey. And then also, you know, that as an offering to others is knowing that, that it's all connected. And it's okay if it, if it feels like it's, getting out of balance because, you know, that just give yourself permission to, to, for it to be that way. Yes. I love that because you both spoke so well to accepting the different layers and aspects of yourself, um, you know, where you are in each day. And that is a big part of this podcast, right? The Feel Podcast, Finding Empowerment, Embracing Layers, stars, A+, plus. <laughs> you guys are on it, 100%. So thank you so much for sharing that. And to that point of, you know, taking care of ourselves and just being real with where we're at, um, I'm wondering what self-care looks like for both of you um, in this particular season of your life. Mm. Yeah, um, uh, self-care now is, is around, I mean, many things, again, looking at those, those layers physical, um, making sure I'm, I'm getting my workouts in, uh, whether they be yoga, gym, uh, outdoors. I've spent a, spent a lot more time outdoors, um, at least five times a week going into nature, going into parks, you know, very fortunate and privileged to have open space around us, you know, around me. So, um, going into nature and really reconnecting on I me, mean, I just, it's just like, I feel like a whole new person <laughs> once I uh, leave, leave the, the, by the lake, you know, by the pond or whatever. It's just such a rejuvenating, reconnecting experience. So that's been a big part of my, my self-care, um, daily journaling, daily meditation, uh, energy work, you know, um, doing chakra balancing, um, music. So just, just, giving myself the permission to say, I want to feel good. And, and that's my right to feel good and looking for ways to, to do that on a daily basis and have that toolkit. Yes. I love that, especially because I've been loving being outside too. So that is amazing. Um, and Brianna, what about you? Yeah, I, I, there was some overlap there. Me as well with going into the outdoors and just taking a walk on a nice sunny day, um, lately I've been taking pictures of the different flowers that I see, or if I see any pets in the yard that don't look too vicious, like they're about to 
burst through the front fence and attack me. I'll take a couple of pictures <laughs> and, and keep it, keep it going and just do that. So again, you know, kind of going back to what we were saying before, blending that physical aspect with that mental aspect as well. Right. So getting some time into stretch and move my legs and get some fresh air, but it's also very cleansing mentally. Um, I am really into candles as well. So I'm always lighting candles, um, and doing that. I started making candles recently. So it's going on into a whole new level now of, of candle love. (laughs) Um, and just listening to a lot of lo-fi music. That's been my thing lately. That's my go-to self-care. It just gives me something to listen to without it having to be something that I have to really tune into at the same time. So it's the perfect balance of somethingness and nothingness. And that's something that I really love to do. Coming in with these quotes, somethingness and nothingness. What? I love that. I I really do. I love that. And I get what you mean. You know, just Mm -hmm. chill vibes, candle on, (laughs) zen. I love that. That that is amazing. So I have my last question for you before we get into our rapid fire um, that I want to talk a little bit about, which is about boundaries, right? I feel like this is such an important uh, topic to talk about, um, particularly in our community, but just at large. And I'm wondering what your journey has looked like when it comes to setting boundaries. Um, Personally, this is something that I have struggled with, still struggling to this day with, but I'm building more awareness around it. And I'm just curious as to how you both um, have landed where you are now with setting boundaries and what that looks like for you. Learning to Um, set boundaries has been... And will always be a lifelong endeavor. Um, I'm someone who I love just being nice and kind to people. And I have this schema in my mind that it's not nice or kind sometimes to set boundaries, which is not true. Rewriting that every single day, that's not true. Um, And I've learned how to set boundaries the best with through clients, through my work as a counselor, actually. because you see the impacts of not doing that a little bit more clearly and more immediately when you don't. So I've realized that although I, I, I love my clients, I do all of them. Like you're so awesome. You are the most empowering and strongest people that I know. Um, but that doesn't mean that I have to allow you more access to me than is necessary. Or that doesn't mean that, I'll share something with you that isn't necessary, right? We have to keep the boundaries in place. And that's how the process works. That's how it's able to be beneficial is because of those, those boundaries. And so I've learned through the counseling relationship that although boundaries are sometimes hard to put in place, it's what makes the thing work. Right? So it, when we think about a sports game, it has to have those confines of the field in order for the game to work. If we're playing it across the whole country, it's not much of a game, right? Right. And so I I think about it like that. So in order for this relationship to work, what kind of goalposts do we need? What kind of fencing do we need here um, in order for it to work? And then, of course, boundaries at different times can be more permeable or maybe less. 
and, and that's okay. That's something you explore case by case, but I've definitely learned with my clients. They, they're really good at pushing my boundaries, which is helpful. <laughs> How to put things into place to not overstep um, or to be inappropriate. Yeah. But, but it's a good thing too, you know, because I think that's just uh, how you said with the sports game analogy, it's good to sort of define, um, you know, what I want to say is to define where the edges are. You know, I think that's really important to do that. And Hakim, I, you know, I'm wondering what your journey has been like with that too. Yeah. I mean, now it's <clears throat> going on, on sort of the metaphysical level where it's like we are orically connected, like we have auras, we have energy fields around us. And energetically, somebody's energy field or energy center can be connected to yours. So there's a metaphysical connection on a boundary energetic level that, you know, I had to begin to look at as well and, and begin to address on that level. And that's something that can be done through sound healing, through chakra balancing, energy center balancing, um, there's a lot of videos online to do that as well. So, you know, there's not only the mental, emotional, physical, but there's also energetic um, energetic boundaries that, that we have to look at in order to re- really be self-contained um, in, in our uh, and be in our full power in order to, to energetically heal as well. I like that because I think sometimes with boundaries, um, what it really is, right? is it's allowing you and this other person to be both in your power and both in both both also in your comfort as well right without overstepping in the other one's lane for lack of better words mm. and i found that when it comes to boundaries oftentimes we're setting boundaries of people because we actually want them in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like there is a boundary so I can preserve and feel good within myself, Mm -hmm. right? But also so I can feel good within this connection. And I think that's really a key piece. So thank you both for sharing that. And, um, and now we are wrapping up here with our rapid fire Mm -hmm. questions. Um, I have two questions that I will ask uh, both of you. And my first question is, what Mm -hmm. are five activities that nourish you? Which, you know, we kind of um, tackled before, but feel free to run by the five. Oh, okay. Um, I'll, I'll give my five. I have a couple in my head. Um, for me, interior design is one. I love to decorate my space. Um, Going for a walk, as I said before, that is super nourishing on a nice sunny day. Swimming. I love swimming. My favorite game as a kid was pretending that I was a mermaid. I have not gotten over that yet. (laughs) Um, I love fashion. Fashion is very nourishing to me, even if I don't feel good on on a bad day. If I put on a good outfit, that is liable to change. And then lastly, um... Oh man, number five. I'm gonna say listening to audiobooks and podcasts. That's really nourishing. I love that. And Brianna, let me just say your style is fire. Oh, I just have to you. say Oh that. my god. <laughs> thank you so much. Wow. Okay, that made my day. <laughs> uh, nourished. <laughs> nourished. <laughs> uh. 
Yeah. Um, writing poetry, reading poetry, music, meditation, working out, and of course, some parties and dancing, man. I'm ready to, ready, ready to go back out. <laughs> I love that because I feel like that would be on my list too. Like everything you just said, I'm here for the vibe. I'm here for the vibes. And uh, my next question now is what are five words that describe how you want to feel in the next six months? So at the time of us recording this podcast, that means essentially how you'd want to feel by the end of this year. That's tough. Um, I'm going to say confident. Um, I always wear that counselor in progress identity. So I'm, I'm trying to balance that, but with also a little bit of confidence. So I'd, I'd love that. Um, confident, um, organized, creative, um, fulfilled, and serene. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with the self. So self-accepted, self, or self-acceptance, self-love, self-nurtured, self-kind, self-joy. You know, if we, we can't give it to ourselves, we can't, we can't give it to anybody else, you know? So just the self, man. Mic drop moment, bringing it back to the self. <laughs> we love to see it. <laughs> well, thank you so much again, Brianna and Hakeem. You know, thank you for being here. Um, thank you for showing up and speaking so authentically. Because honestly, this conversation, it's been inspiring. It's been impactful. It's been really thought provoking. And, and I've just really enjoyed it. You know, and I know that I know for sure our field podcast audience um, has really enjoyed it as well. And I am more than certain that you know, what we talked about here today will serve for some food for thought for a lot of people, right? And empower a lot of people to um, along their own mental health journey. And uh, field podcast audience, please do not forget to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests and how you can engage with their work, as well as the sources that they mentioned on our website, embracinglayers.com. Also stay connected with us by following us on Instagram at Embracing Layers. And to Melissa Crook, the founder and number one host of this podcast, I just want to say thank you so much for giving me the mic this week to talk about such an important topic. So feel podcast audience. Thank you again for joining us and have a great week.